Sports Minutes with Elia Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Dacca together with Ziaul Raushan. Today we're putting the spotlight on two English clubs. In fact, everyone's putting the spotlight on these two English clubs simply because of what they achieve and what they didn't achieve last season. Um, the pressure is on the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah, certainly both those clubs are in the spotlight for differing reasons, right? With Manchester United, yes, they didn't achieve as much considering they were in the FA Cup final as well. But they're hoping to consolidate from a position of, I would say, strength having qualified for the Champions League. For Chelsea, it's back to the drawing board. I think they've spent the money on players. Now they've brought Pochettino in. Hopefully he can cajole this squad into some form of achievement because last season finishing outside the top 10 for a club like Chelsea is worrying. Yeah, um, a lot of questions were surrounding the bloated squad that Chelsea had. And um, you and I have touched on how uh, Chelsea has seemed to add to the Saudi Arabia revolution uh, in terms of uh, the amount of quality players that have gone there. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo um, a couple of weeks ago said that Saudi Arabia's football league aims to get into the top five of Europe. Well, that might be possible and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. So people out the door and finally, in the past two days, Chelsea has unveiled Maurizio Pochettino as the new manager. Yeah, Pochettino was the right fit for them, apparently, in terms of what they have as a squad and what Pochettino can achieve with the squad. But to your point, they've needed to trim their squad as much as they can because it was a bloated squad. And yes, plenty of players have gone to Saudi Arabia. Well done, Todd Bowley. But one has gone to Manchester United, which mm. might be a direct rival. I'm, of course, talking about Mason Mount. And here's what he had to say in his farewell message to the Blues. Hi Chelsea fans, given the speculation over the last six months, this may not come as a surprise to you, but it doesn't make it any easier to tell you that I've made the decision to leave Chelsea. I feel we deserve more than just a written statement, so I wanted to tell you directly how grateful I've been for all of your support over the last 18 years. I know some of you won't be happy with my decision, but it's what's right for me at this moment in my career. I joined Chelsea when I was six years old, and we've been through a lot together. Winning the Youth Cup, my Player of the Year awards, the Super Cup, the Club World Cup, and of course the unforgettable night when we won the Champions League. I want to say thank you to the Academy, Jim and Neil, for being so influential to me from such a young age. The managers I've worked under, Frank, Thomas and Graham, the backroom staff, the, the unsung heroes of Cobham, all of my teammates over the years that have become my brothers, my family for the continuous of love and support, and most importantly, you guys for sticking with me throughout. Wish you all the best. That's a very well-scripted goodbye message from Mason Mount. Uh, and we're hearing reports that um, Mount has already completed his medical at Manchester United. He's passed that medical, so we're just waiting for clubs to confirm and United to officially announce uh, Mason Mount. But the real question with this signing at £55 uh, million, pounds, uh, Raushan, has to be uh, where does he fit in this Manchester United side. Yeah, 55 million plus add-ons as well, right? Oh so that's the new way of transfers. There's always yeah. a couple of add-ons. I, I agree with that in terms of incentive-based additions to fees. But to answer your question, where does he fit? I immediately think he's going to be an upgrade on Christian Eriksen. We've touched on this in previous episodes in the way 
Ericsson wanes slightly, doesn't last the full 90 minutes. So I think that's where Mount comes in. And also the point I made a couple of weeks ago is he adds quality to what is a very good starting 11 for Ten Hag when everyone is fit, but you want players coming off the bench to make an impact. I expect Ericsson to assume that bench role and Mount to walk straight into this midfield alongside Casemiro and Bruno, which is mm. music to my ears. Okay, well, I mean, Mason Mount is a player that can do a bit of everything uh, in the middle of the park and maybe drift out to the wings. Uh, he's not the Mason Mount from two, three years ago. That, at the current moment, is peak Mason Mount. He looks it looks a little bit uh, overworked, a bit burnt out, this Mason Mount. So it'll be interesting to see how he bids into the squad. But I am thinking that this isn't a player that tracks back a lot. Neither is Bruno Fernandes. Uh, doesn't that mean a lot of work on Casemiro's hands? It is, it is. Those A lot of work on those broad shoulders of yeah. Casemiro. Yeah. But you talk about... Ten Hag wanting his midfielders to press from the get-go. I think that's where Mount fits the profile of the club. And you talk about a lot of things Mount mm-hmm. can do. Play down the wing, play in the middle, possibly chip in with a few goals. But honestly, is that the real problem Manchester United have? Because last season, they went through the whole season without a bona fide number 9 scoring the goals. They relied so heavily on Marcus Rashford to come in from that left and score the goals. So I think I speak for a vast majority of Manchester United fans when I say I'm quite excited by this signing, but is it really what we need? What does former Manchester United defender Rio Ferdinand have to say about Mason Mount and, well, what Man United really need right now? I think Mason Mount is a very good signing. I think he'll be a valuable member of this team. And the versatility. The versatility from, from Mason. So you get goals, you get assists, you get chances created, you get penetrating runs into the box. You get moments in a game where he can decide a game. Big game, he can perform and score goals and impact games. And his versatility to add to that. He can play as a number eight. He can play as a 10. He can play off the left. He can play off the right and he's impactful in all those areas. I think he's a great signing. He's an honest signing. There's a reason why your your fan base isn't jumping around. Like, yeah, it's because he's a good player. No, no, he's the reason honest. why Man United fans and the fan base aren't going crazy for Mason Mount is because they all know that the priority in this window is a number nine. That's the only reason. They all know he's a good player. They all know he's going to be a valuable member of this squad and they're all delighted to get him through the door. His versatility alone says that, Right. But the reason why Man United's priority is a number nine. You look at the squad, we had a number nine last year that scored zero goals. So number nine is a priority. If I'm the number nine and I'm looking at Manchester United, I'm going, no ownership completed yet. No real direction of where the club's going to go. If someone comes in, does the direction of the club change? I've got so many questions. How can I commit? And I think you look at it and you think if you're an Osman and Kane, Kane and Osman are two number nines in world football that you look at now and go, listen, I'd go all in on both of them and be happy with either. Those two players, I'd love one of them to come to Man United because again, mm. I think they, they're, they're guaranteeing you 20 to 30 goals or more. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of questions that they want answering that can't be answered right now about the ownership of this football club and that leaves us in a precarious position going into the new season. Yeah, I think Rio Ferdinand hits the nail on the head, right? Mm. The question mark surrounding the ownership is slightly hampering Eric Ten Hag and his plans for the future because it's all well and good to go and sign someone like Mason Mount, but you don't know what's in the future. Is the new ownership going to come in with their own sporting director, their own vision? And therefore, there's going to be a lot of question marks. And I think if Manchester United don't sign a marquee number nine, it's going to be painful to watch Manchester United this season. It's going to be very tough with uh, financial fair play issues, 120 million 
million to spend. You've put in 55 million, so that's almost half the budget on Mason Mount. Onana is a problem right now. He's asking 40, 50 million. Uh, you've lost David De Gea. So what do you do? I mean, it looks like De Gea wants to go out the door anyways. He's a free agent right now. Do you give the opportunity to Dean Henderson and then gamble your remaining 60 million on an unproven strike in the form of Rasmus Hoyland? Uh, Workhorse work, work is probably sitting by his phone right now going, hey, 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 <laughs> I'm maybe free. I can come back. But um, Rio Ferdinand makes the point, right? Yeah, he was a number yeah. nine Weghorst who filled the gap. He's not your future. It's not a proven striker. Exactly. And Manchester United are competing in the Champions League next season and they want to compete. They don't just want to make the numbers. So, you, ha- you ask some very valid questions in terms of are they just going to blow the remainder of a budget on a striker and leave holes in the yeah, other parts yeah. of the squad and that's worrying, right? Well, they give us conversation for the next two months at least and uh, Lord knows we do struggle sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's the quiet season, right? It does happen. Uh, Chelsea, of course, making a lot of news on that front with the unveiling of their new manager, Maurizio Pochettino. How are Spurs fans feeling right now? Not so good, I think, assuming considering what he said in terms of Chelsea being the best club in the last 15 yeah, years in London. Yeah, that blows my mind, right? Yeah, that he those, would say that. There's, there's a bro code for managers and I feel Pochettino yeah. crossed it. Let's have a listen in terms of what he said in that opening interview for Chelsea Football Club. I think this is really exciting for us because I think um, uh, we love the good players. We love the player with uh, the capacity and the talent. But also we, we want people that want to be with us. I want to be with this club and be really open uh, to help the club to achieve what we want. And of course, always is up and downs in the history of, of football. But I think Chelsea is, is a club that is impossible, um, you know, to have this up and down. We need to be sure that we, we, uh, we are going to bring the thing that the club needs uh, uh, for be in the top, because the history of the club is to be in the top. I think uh, in the last 10, 12, 15 years, I think Chelsea is the greatest team in, in, in England. And that we know very well. I think I know very well the Premier League. I know very well what means uh, Chelsea, the culture of Chelsea. I think our fans, they are so exciting also to, again, to, to be in the, in the road of, of uh, trying to win. And, and of course, uh, for us, uh, make to feel really exciting about to work with a very young team. I'm kind of happy for Pochettino, to be honest. I mean, he's going into a team now. He's going back to London, right? And he's going into a team where there's money to spend. Um, he's quite lucky in that some of the big names are being offloaded to Saudi Arabia, so not so much issues. And, you know, there's no pressure of winning the Champions League. He can do that next season. Yeah, I think because they struggled so much last season, Chelsea, this is, the, the bar is quite low yeah. in terms of what yeah. Pochettino has to do, right? And all in all, pre-Ten Hag, I was a big fan of Pochettino and mm. I would have loved to see him at Manchester United but he's at Chelsea now and I think the tools are there it's just about what he can conjure now yeah uh, well he's got himself uh, Nico Jackson uh, from Villarreal um, as a striker not quite the proven number nine that takes time as we've been discussing throughout this uh, podcast uh, but uh, you know his priority is probably going to be to hunt for uh, an all-out goal scorer uh, he's got quite a few good attacking players uh, Raheem Sterling um, Noni Madueki is also an up-and-comer. And Christopher Nkuku as well, oh, yeah. arriving oh, yeah. for yeah. big money from yeah. RB Leipzig as well. I take your point. They have a lot of 
number 10s almost and they don't have that bona fide goal scorer Romelu Lukaku clearly has no interest in uh, coming he's back the door. he's no interest in coming yeah. back to Chelsea he wants to stay in Italy that's fine and Pochettino alluded to it in that interview as well mm. he only wants players who want to fight the cause with him and we know one thing about Pochettino yeah. tactically spot on but he's a master man manager as well he gets the best out of limited players I would yeah. say that yeah. leading Spurs to the Champions League final was always high up his CV and I think he can do that especially because the Chelsea squad is a young one yeah. so they're going to be malleable in that sense hungry to learn from someone who is as tactically astute as Maurizio Pochettino well uh, he was previously from Paris Saint-Germain where he won a league and title nobody really considers that a challenge uh, taking over him at PSG uh, well taking over from uh, Christopher Goitier uh, is uh, a certain Luis Enrique uh, who is now the new manager of Paris Saint-Germain um, unfortunately Ligue 1 has dropped out of the top 5 leagues in Europe <laughs> no surprise there right we talk about it the running joke of them being as farmers league one thing though Elliot you stumbled slightly when you wanted to mention the former PSG manager yeah. I'm not at all surprised because they go through managers so quickly they change managers all the time I mean they, you know the managers probably thinking right uh, uh, Gautier and, and now Enrique they go into the dressing room okay guys Discipline is important. I need teamwork. I need everybody to track back. One year later, another manager will come in and say the same thing. Exactly. Same problem. And at the corner of the dressing room, Kylian Mbappe is sitting, ah, don't bother <laughs> listening to this guy. So that's the running problem with PSG. They already are a club which every season go into disarray. You're looking at an image now of them signing six new players this year. And it's always back to ground zero for this club. And I think it's a bit damning that now the Liga has fallen out of the top five league. You wonder, are the likes of Mbappe who's a world superstar we've seen him do so well for France yeah. does he want to continue playing in no. the Farmers League he wants to go to Real Madrid I mean remember the time where there was Mbappe uh, they announced Messi there was Donnarumma there was uh, Sergio Ramos and there was Neymar Neymar's now like 31 gosh and everyone was going like wow PSG is really playing FIFA now the signings is uh Lucas Hernandez, uh, out of favour at Bayern Munich. Uh, Kang In Lee. Uh, Milan Skrinaya. Okay, good player, that one. Marco Asensio. Injury issues. Manuel Urgate is just potential. Who are these guys? Yeah, exactly. No more <laughs> blank checks anymore, right? It's almost like yeah. PSG suddenly want to make sense with their transfers, which is unlike PSG. But I take your point. They've gone down that superstar Galacticos road that uh-huh. Real Madrid took all those years ago. It hasn't worked out. And the problem for PSG falling out, I mean, Liga falling out of the top five is because PSG have done so poorly in the Champions League. And I think yeah. that's affected their coefficient. And if anything, that has to be top of Luis Enrique's entry to try and make them make a splash in Europe for the league's sake. And <laughs> It's a big, big, big ass uh, for Louis Enrique, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how all of that goes in the in the Champions League as well. And uh, I think we we can take a bet now. Uh, will Luis Enrique last one year? <laughs> I think he'll last one year, but my money is on him leaving at the end of next season. Sports minutes on Money FM eighty nine point three.